Diane for carrying the load tonight of all the specials and everything. Aren't you glad that God gives talents as he does? Remember last week it was Brother Ferris who was here. He said he'd like to take some of our piano players with him to the Philippines. And uh, I, am, I am very thankful for the skilled musicians that we have here. And you know, as uh, Darlene sang and Debbie song, it reminds us of the greatness and the power of God. And we need to keep our eyes on that. And I know there's a lot of talk going around today about what the Supreme Court decision is going to make and, and, and happen on churches and things like that. God is on the throne. Remember that. Amen to that. And we need to walk around as that is the case and because that is the case. We have a God who's greater than we could ever imagine. And I'm glad he's with us. And he's on our side. Amen. And we're on his side. Aren't you glad you're on the right side? And the war has all been, we've run, you know, they, they say that in the first two chapters of the Bible, you don't see Satan. And guess what? In the last two chapters, you don't see Satan in the Bible because he's already defeated. Praise God for that. Well, tonight we have one of our own preaching for us this evening. I tell you, I've enjoyed uh, just ministering together with Josh and I. We had opportunity not only to start years, a few years ago in Bible study, but also to go through a class together. And he's taken FBI, which is a wonderful class. And then he and I have a Bible study and a prayer time on Mondays at the, the workout center. Doesn't it look like we work out? Yeah. And uh, just so thrilled to have one of our young men be able to give you the word of God tonight. So, Josh, you come on and, and give to us as God lays on your heart. I asked Josh, he'd give his testimony. He says, you know, Pastor, God's laying on my heart something else. So one of these days, you've got to give your testimony, though, okay? 
Alright. Well, it's a pleasure to be up here tonight. And uh, I'm excited to, to be able to share a few things with you that that uh, have really been important in my life. You see, I'm not going to be sharing, like Pastor said, my testimony with you this evening. But what I will be sharing with you is something that's been very crucial to my personal testimony and to uh, come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Um, you see, my history is just riddled with skepticism. I was... I was raised in this uh, in this very liberal, skeptic-minded uh, world that uh, that teaches you that things like the supernatural and God just frankly don't exist. And when you grow up uh, being <clears throat> bombarded with this, um, you really kind of get a little jaded towards those who believe that that's true. And so um, I never thought in a million years the Bible was true. And uh, and but but anyway, we're not going to get into my testimony tonight. What I do want to share with you tonight is uh, reasons to believe that the Bible is true, and uh, and we have numerous reasons to believe this. And uh, but one thing I can tell you with certainty is that if it wasn't for this study, for what I'm going to share with you this evening, I certainly would not be up here uh, in front of you this evening. I probably would not be back in that sound booth or even in any of these pews. And uh, and so this has been something that's been very important to me. It's been very it's helped my spiritual walk. And uh, and I really do hope it'll it'll have that effect on you as well. Um, it's my prayer that uh, that this will help you maybe uh, to to talk to a skeptic in your life, or maybe if you have doubts. I mean, we all have doubts. Let's face it, we all do, if we're honest with ourselves. And so I hope that this will just kind of dig deep and uh, and give you some reasons to believe that the Bible is uh, is absolutely true. And so um, you're going to find that that my message this evening is suspiciously absent. Of biblical verses, and uh, and for those of you that are going to be watching and paying attention to this, I want you to know that this isn't an a- by accident. This is actually on purpose. Um, I believe you can make a completely secular case for the truth of the Bible, and that's what I plan on doing uh, for you this evening. But I am going to start with a Bible verse, and uh, and this is in First uh, Peter, uh, chapter three, verse fifteen. And many of you are familiar with this verse. And it goes on, this is uh, the ESV, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, uh, for the hope that is in you, and do it with gentleness and respect. And so that's where uh, this entire message comes from. Say it again. Oh, but that, that's where this that's where this entire message comes from, and it's the idea that uh, that we need to be able to defend this book. And uh, and I don't know how how often you guys have dealt with skeptics or atheists, but uh, but a lot of times when you approach them uh, with the Word of God, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to them. It just bounces right off. They don't believe that the book is true to begin with, and so that's usually not a good place to start. And, uh, and frankly, we live in strange times. In a world in the past, um, even some of you out there, maybe with a little gray hair, um, might remember <laughs> the United States of old, where it was just taken um, as an axiom that the Bible was true. People just assumed that this stuff was true. You didn't really have to make a case for it um, because everyone believed that it was true. But, but today, that is not the case. In fact, that's quite the opposite. And uh, people start by assuming it's not true. And, uh, but I'm gonna dive right into this, uh, message here. I, I got 14 pages of notes and I promised Pastor I'd have you guys out of here by nine. So, uh, so I do, so I'm just gonna get right into this thing here. 
when it comes to the Bible, people, scholars, lay people, uh, your neighbor, uh, your teacher, these people generally tend to approach it with, with a skepticism that they will not approach other, um, other books, other ancient books and, and writings. And uh, they generally assume that it's guilty until proven innocent. Uh, it's assumed that what is in here is not true until you can prove to them that it is. And, and what you'll find that's interesting about this is they generally don't do this with other ancient documents. They generally tend to assume that these other ancient documents are true uh, until those things are proven otherwise. And, uh, and so, but even, even in this framework, even within this faulty framework, we can prove uh, that the Bible is absolutely true. And, uh, but one thing that we need to be weary of is that this attack on the Bible has been so successful that there are actually individual Christians and entire uh, denominations and congregations that do not believe the Word of God is 100% true. And this is a catastrophe. This is a big problem. And, uh, and that's just another motivation as to why I want to be with you here tonight and share this with you. And so the question is, is the Bible true? That's what we're looking at. And the answer is yes. And not only uh, can we verify that much of the Bible is true, um, even with extra-biblical sources, but we must. It's not just that we can, but we must. Um, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis here, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it says, it's not whether or not you will defend the Bible well. Um, or, excuse me, it's not whether or not you will defend the Bible, but whether or not you will defend it well. You're going to be defending the Bible uh, in your day-to-day activities and the way you carry yourself and your integrity. And uh, and if you ever witness to somebody, you're going to have to make a case that this book is true. And uh, and so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how well uh, you will do this. And the entire Christian faith lives or dies with this Bible. And uh, And so we must defend it. And, uh, and so, you know, if someone were to ask you, uh, if someone were to ask you, you know, why do you believe that the Bible is true? If someone were to say, you know, this is just a fairy tale book written by ancient people with ancient understanding, uh, why do you believe this junk? You know, how would you respond uh, to something like this? And this is a question we all need to be asking ourselves. And, uh, you know, many accuse Christians, they don't, they don't quite understand, but they just assume Christians are blind leapers that were anti-facts, that we're anti-science, um, that, uh, that our heads are in the sand, proverbially, we just believe this book is true without any uh, evidence at all, and nothing could be further from the truth. And, uh, and, you know, a big part of what I want to give to you today is, is show you that we're not taking a giant blind leap of faith here, we're taking a small calculated step. And, uh, and there's a big difference between the two. And uh, But keep in mind, you know, one thing I always like to preface this with is keep in mind that a lot of people uh, that you're going to be sharing the gospel with and that you're going to be witnessing to um, are going to approach you with these kind of insults. And many of them, are they, they don't have really uh, the idea of trying to discover the truth. Their whole goal is to insult you. And you need to be uh, inquisitive of that. You need to, to understand that and not engage uh, further in that. That, that will uh, not give you good fruit. And, uh, and so there's no point in really going down that road. But, uh, but to be frank here, um, if the only thing you have as the foundation, uh, for the Word of God is a feeling or an experience you had, and I, and I don't want to belittle those, and, and, you know, those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we've all had a personal encounter with God. And your anecdotal testimony is, is, is so crucially important to how you understand this truth. But, but let's face it, Hindus, Mormons, Buddhists, Muslims, they have feelings too. You know, they feel that their religion is true, too. So we need to go beyond our feelings. We need to get into some cold, hard facts here. And uh, and so we're going to approach several different areas, from science to uh, archaeology to textual criticism. We're going to kind of get get a little deep here, and uh, I'll, I'll try to go quick. My time's already already gone. Um, the first thing we want to start with is science. 
And the reason why I like to start here is because uh, from the very first pages of the Bible, you'll, you'll all the time hear people tell you that this proves that the Bible's not true. And, uh, and nothing could be further from the truth on this. Uh, when it comes to creation, there's been some very key 20th century discoveries in science that uh, though they don't always interpret these to mean that the Bible is true, um, we can very easily draw out of this. And one of the biggest ones is that the universe had a distinct beginning. There was a time where there was no universe, and now there's now there is. And uh, it used to, and the reason why this is so important, um, many of you are familiar with the Big Bang Theory, I'm sure, and we're not going to get into dissecting that and the issues with that theory. There are many. Um, but the point is, is that for all of human history that we know of, uh, people generally just took it on assumption that um, matter is eternal, the universe is eternal, all of this stuff has always been here, and they never even bothered uh, to think any further than that. And as we know, that's not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is that God is eternal, and he created this universe. And so those two uh, those two ideas have been at combat with each other for nearly all of human history, and it's only really as recent as the 20th century um, that we had the instruments capable to to really look out into the cosmos. And uh, and scientists, you know, due to these laws of physics and these ideas that matter, um, things that are made up of matter are contingent beings, and these things cannot exist forever. And we know this is true uh, due to some fundamental laws of physics. And so what, what they've determined is that the universe had a distinct beginning. And, uh, and, and that's, that's very, um, that's kind of, uh, confirmed a truth that has been in this book for all of human history. And think about how amazing that is. You know, for, for so long, um, and, and to see the, the implications of this, even Einstein himself at first was reluctant to accept the Big Bang Theory. He said, your math is good, um, but you have abominable conclusions. Because what it meant was the universe had to have a beginning. There had to be a, create, a, create, a, a moment where the universe was created, which means the universe have, must have a creator. And, uh, and so we can very easily see that um, just in the basics of physics and cosmology. The next section is the informational content in the DNA, another huge uh, discovery of the 20th century. Um, it turns out embedded inside of your cells is an enormous book. Uh, literally millions and millions of pages, if we're going to make this thing analogous to a book, chuck full of information on how to build a Pastor Kamensky. And, uh, and you know, they did okay. And... Um, <clears throat> But the point is that the discoverers of, of, this, uh, of, of this truth, that this information is encoded inside our genes, um, what's funny about it is that he immediately assumed that life could not have originated on its own on this earth. It must have been aliens that did it, right? And, and, <laughs> and us Christians are sitting back there and we're saying, no, this whole time we've been saying God did it. And now we have literally an imprint inside of every cell uh, that this is true. And, uh, and it's really, uh, the only real way to explain this is in light of a designer. There's, I mean, there are people working night and day to try to find ways experimentally to explain this absent a designer, and, uh, and they have not been successful thus far. Another area, another big crucial area of the Bible is Noah's flood. And, uh, and what, one thing a lot of people find interesting is that, and they usually don't know this beforehand, but that majority of the earth, in fact, just about all of North America, is covered with flood sediments that are, that are undoubtedly laid down by water, riddled full of fossils. And, and I don't know how many of you are backdoorsmen, um, but, uh, but generally speaking, if you've ever uh, came across an animal that might have happened to have died, uh, and then you come back to it maybe the next day or two days later, it's just about completely decomposed. It does not take very long for an entire animal to decompose into nothing. 
And, uh, and so in order for an animal to become a fossil, it must be buried very quickly. And generally, we only find fossils in sediment laid down by water. And that's oddly suspicious, given what the Bible has to say about Noah's flood. And uh, and so, um, not only do we have that, but we also have science has discovered, and in, 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 uh, they, they obviously will conclude different things, and they have different dates, and they have different numbers, but I don't know how many are, are familiar with the out-of-Africa theory, but it's a secular theory about the origin of humanity, and they have life originating in Africa, uh, coming out of Africa, and then, but, but here's where it gets really good. They have a point in history that they call a population bottleneck. Um, where scientists believe that probably down to about a thousand people, which if you can imagine how big the earth is, how many people there are, a thousand is a very small amount, um, and that some catastrophe, some giant catastrophe happened, and they generally agree it was probably water-based, um, but it's hard to say, uh, narrowed down the population down to a thousand people not too long ago. And what's interesting about that is that that actually goes along very well with Noah's flood story. Now, we would say it was down to eight people. They would say a thousand. Um, but what's interesting about us saying eight people is that if you go back 4,500 years and you take eight people restocking the earth and you go off of a very conservative number, in fact, we're reproducing at a larger rate right now uh, than we than we would would have to to make this true, and you get from eight people to seven billion um, in almost exactly 4,500 years if you go off a very, very conservative rate of reproduction. And so these are just, just a few examples. I mean, we, I could belabor the point here on the science side of things, but it's just a few examples of where science confirms Scripture. And never once has science categorically um, uh, uh, gone against what Scripture says. Um, there is not one example that I know of personally uh, that, uh, now I'm not saying there isn't one, but I'm saying there isn't one that I know of that, that is, uh, goes against what the Bible says in any way. The next area I want to look at is archaeology. <clears throat> and uh, and this is an interesting one because um, skeptics will often cite the lack of archaeological evidence for the Bible. And uh, what's interesting about that is is uh, instead of say, instead of saying well we found these archaeological things and these things refute the Bible uh, their best argument is the lack of archaeological evidence and they say that that refutes the Bible what's most most interesting about that is we found a number of things in archaeology that actually completely confirm Scripture and. Uh, and frankly speaking, over there in the desert, things happen to get buried very quickly. Um, there's a, a story, and I don't know all the facts, but a story about a, uh, a car that was found buried in like 50 feet of sand. And this car was from the 70s. And so very quickly over there in the desert, things happen to get buried. So the fact that we have any archaeological evidence at all is actually pretty amazing. But uh, archaeology uh, ranges from confirming kings and kingdoms meant in, uh, uh, said in Scripture, people mentioned in Scripture, um, ancient traditions uh, mentioned in Scripture, events in Scripture, confirmation of time periods of many events in Scripture, places in Scripture. And uh, these things, you know, range from uh, King Jehu of Israel, King, uh, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. Um, I mean, I could really go on. i got this huge list here. I'm not going to read them all. i only got ten minutes left. Um, but, but the the point is, is, um, is it's actually quite amazing the archaeological evidence we do have. And, uh, and the fact that, just like science, I do not know of one piece of archaeological evidence that categorically refutes the Bible. And, uh, and so it's actually quite amazing the evidence we do have. Um, the next piece I want to look at would be manuscript evidence. 
And uh, now not every historical event, especially out in the desert like we talked about, is going to be uh, able to be confirmed with archaeological evidence. And so when it comes to history, historians will a lot of times look at ancient documents and ancient writings. And... And so, and the Bible is actually an amazing example of this. Um, usually historians make determinations of the truthiness of a, uh, of a, of a book or a text, uh, based on the total number of manuscripts and the gaps between the original writing and the current oldest manuscripts. That's usually a good litmus test of this. And, uh, and by this metric, there's actually no ancient document out there more confirmed than the Bible. And it's actually quite amazing. Um, you know, a lot of you guys are familiar with the telephone game, you know, where you call and you say something to somebody and then they call and say something to somebody else. And after it gets through maybe a 100 people, it's completely different. And uh, and so they'll re- readily say, you know, this of course this happened with the Bible. That must have been what happened. But but uh, but it's not the case at all. Um, now, I'm going to start with the Old Testament because this one has the least amount of evidence. In fact, up until the uh, finding at the Dead Sea Scrolls, the earliest manuscripts were 900 to 1100 A.D. So you can imagine this is thousands of years after these supposed events. And uh, uh, people were very highly skeptical of these writings for that reason. They'll say, well, they couldn't possibly be true. I mean, look at how long this is from, you know, people are copying these things by hand. There must be uh, errors, if not uh, blatant errors put in there. And, uh, and so, but then in 1948, we found manuscripts dating back to the time of Christ and even earlier, these Old Testament books. So a thousand years earlier than the oldest manuscripts we had, and it turns out there's not a single significant change from the, from the ones that are a thousand years older uh, than the ones that we had at that time. And, and that's very notable. Now, granted, uh, those manuscripts are still many, many years after the events uh, supposedly have taken place. And so um, that, that's a minor victory, but a victory nonetheless. But uh, then we get to the New Testament, and there's, there's really no parallel here uh, with the New Testament and what happened with Jesus Christ around the first century A.D. We have about 24,000 partial or full copies of New Testament manuscripts ranging from just 100 years um, after the event up to about 1,500 years after. And, uh, and you know, numerous writings, um, <clears throat> excuse me, from within 100 years after Christ. Uh, and now when we compare this to other ancient documents, I uh, just got a few here that I want to look at. Um, Plato, you guys are probably pretty familiar with Plato. He lived B.C. 420 to 350. Um, that's before Christ. The oldest copy that we have of his writings is 1,200 years after he wrote them. Uh, Caesar, from B.C. 100 to 40, uh, the oldest copy about a thousand years after he, after he had written um, or, or after he had lived. Aristotle, uh, B.C. 380 to 320, the oldest copy we have is 14 year, 1,400 years after he wrote. Um, Tacitus, I think, Tacitus, I think I'm saying that right, the Roman historian, A.D. 100, the oldest copy 1,000 years after he wrote. And then Homer's Iliad, uh, who wrote about 900 B.C. The oldest copy is 500 years after after he wrote. And this is actually, um, I'll, I'll say this is the closest you can get to second place uh, when it comes to ancient documents. Um, but but it's not even close. The comparison is off the charts here. When, when we look at the New Testament um, written in the first century, the oldest copies are less than 100 years after written. And uh, <clears throat> there is not one document, not one ancient document that even comes close to that kind of thing. 
And, uh, and so we can know, uh, we can have a really good idea that what Jesus records in the New Testament is absolutely true. But, uh, but again, back to the telephone game, you say, you know, those changes must, must have taken place. 24,000 manuscripts, they've got to be riddled with errors, you know? There's got to be these ones that say this and those ones that say that. And so it couldn't possibly all be true. Well, there's a, there's a, a brand of, of study called textual criticism that looks at exactly this. And what it tries to do is compare, uh, say, the oldest manuscripts to the new manuscripts, and it compares them all to each other uh, to see if there are notable differences there. And, uh, and, and like I said, a lot of times people assume those differences are there. But when we look at them, especially with the New Testament texts, uh, we find that they are nearly 100% accurate. Now let that sink in for a minute. Think about that. 24,000 manuscripts over a period of, you know, 1,500 years. And there's not a single error, doctrinal error, in any of these manuscripts. They're literally 99.5% textual pure, uh, textually pure, according to this um, study. And, uh, and we're talking people who are not even Christians who are looking at these. And, and the differences are, are things like instead of Christ Jesus, it would say Jesus Christ. Or maybe a spelling error. Or maybe missing the word and or the. Or, or just really basic things like this. And, uh, and so we can, I mean, that alone, that alone should be enough to stop the boat right there. There, honestly, skepticism about the New Testament text, uh, there's, it's really completely uncalled for, uh, given the evidence that we actually have. The next, uh, section here, and I'm getting even lower on time here, would be, uh, Jesus Christ's resurrection. And the reason why I love this proof here is because Jesus Christ's resurrection, this, the whole gospel hinges on the resurrection. Uh, literally the whole gospel, and I gotta, I gotta jump ahead here. First Corinthians 15, 14, uh, Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Literally the whole faith of, of Christianity relies on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what is, in, what is most interesting about this is Paul wrote in the first century, and historians generally agree he wrote in the first century and that he was a Jew who persecuted Christians and, and then was converted after that and eventually put to death for his faith, and um, along with the other apostles. And what is interesting about the resurrection is there's a set of, of uh, historical facts that generally, whether they're Christians or Jews or Muslim historians or secular historians, um, atheists, they generally tend to agree that Jesus Christ was a real person that was killed and buried, uh, generally by crucifixion. This is one historical fact you can take to the bank. His tomb was uh, either found empty or believed to have bound, uh, been found empty by his followers. And, and I put that or believed to have been because, of course, there are, there are many historians that will agree that his, that his followers thought his tomb was empty. Um, but they, were, they are not willing to go far enough to say he actually rose from the dead. Um, his appearances to disciples. The, the disciples really thought that they saw Jesus Christ. I mean, this is a historical fact. Whether or not the historian believes it's true, they, they must address that fact. In the early church, um, as evidenced by Paul here and other areas in the gospel, um, the early church actually preached the resurrection. That was their central teaching. Jesus Christ had conquered death. This is in the first century A.D. Um, very soon after this happened, in Jerusalem, where it took place, preaching that Jesus Christ rose for the dead. 
And so there's a few questions that obviously come up as a result of this, right? Number one is, um, the Romans, there was turmoil between the Jews and the Romans at that time. If there was a way that the Romans could have squashed Christianity in the beginning, uh, they would have done so. And the same is true with the Jews of that day. The, the, The Pharisees would have loved nothing more to have partnered up with the Romans and proved that this Jesus Christ character did not rise from the dead. Right? They would have loved to have a chance to do that. And so all they would have had to do, I mean, the Romans crucified him. They buried him. They knew where he was. All they had to do was go and get him. They said to go and get him and show you the body's right here. That would have squashed Christianity first thing. It would have never got off the ground. And, uh, and But they could not do that, and they did not do that. And we're all standing here today as a result. And so, you know, some various ideas come up. Well, maybe the disciples hid the body, you know. Maybe they just had to get that body out of there. They could not. They had too much pride, maybe, right? They just had faith in this guy, and uh, and now they're going to hide the body. Yet all of these people, uh, save John, died a martyr's death. They were put to death. And I, I, I mean, I'll ask for a show of hands of which one of you guys in here would like to uh, create a lie and take that to your own death. I doubt, I doubt a single hand will go up on that. And so th- these are some issues that historians just must deal with. They go from anywhere from uh, uh, believing that maybe they weren't sure what tomb he was in or, you know, maybe he was in the, they checked the wrong tomb and found it empty. Um, they'll say that they, they uh, maybe hallucinated and saw Jesus Christ. They have all these kind of examples. And I don't have time to go through every one of them, but not a single one of them holds up to the, the historical facts that we know are true about that time period. And frankly speaking, as Paul said, Christianity would have never got off the ground had they been able to squash and prove that the resurrection hadn't happened. And so the last area we want to look at is prophecy. And, you know, we've already laid out a really good case for the Bible, and uh, we've shown a number of reasons to trust that it's true, but this area of prophecy is actually one of the best, if not the best, areas uh, to look at. And so the Bible has some 2,500 prophecies, give or take, depending on who you ask, and out of that, some 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. And so we're going to go through each one. Number one, uh, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But... uh, you know, some of the most famous, I'm obviously not going to go through them all, but some of the most famous, obviously Israel in 1948, um, some 330 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus' coming alone. Uh, the Old Testament texts say he would be born in Bethlehem, he'd be born of a virgin, rejected by his own people, not recognized because of his common appearance, betrayed by one of his followers, falsely accused, died by crucifixion, buried in a rich man's tomb, resurrected and conquered death. Every single one of these things was prophesied hundreds if not thousands of years before uh, Jesus Christ had actually rose. And uh, and these predictions are absolutely amazing considering that all the books of the Bible are written by 40 different authors in three different continents and three different languages. Amen. The fact that all of this homogenizes together into this beautiful story that is completely non-contradictory is, is nothing short of amazing. The Bible, whether or not you're going to believe the Bible is true, this, this book is, is absolutely amazing, and there is no reason that we need to, to hide behind uh, just a personal experience. We have facts on the ground that we can give to prove that the Bible is true. And uh, and this has been really, really important, like I said, to my testimony. Um, being very skeptical at first, um, had this study come out differently, like I said, I wouldn't be here today. And I would not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I tell you, if, if you're out there tonight and, uh, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I just I pray that you would come to him. I pray that you talk to the pastor, somebody here. Um, you know, when you die, you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. 
And uh, and you need to find Jesus Christ as your Savior today. And so, Pastor. That victory in Jesus fast. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something. I met with Josh when he first started coming to church here. And I can tell you how skeptical he was. To his credit, he went out and did that study because he wanted to know whether it was true or not. And that's what he found. If people would be honest in their search for truth, they would discover the reality that the Bible is true. But you are hearing people parrot the other responses that they've heard and just say, oh, it's just a book written by man. I'm going to tell you something. You all know how true it is. Amen to that? And yet we find and discover so many people are willing to cast away their eternal security in Christ because they reject God's Word. You know, people don't want to accept God's Word. And you know why they don't want to accept God's Word? They like their sin. You mark it down. People don't want change. And they stand up boldly and, and strut their stuff. The Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Aren't you glad you know Him? Well, now we're going to give you a test on everything you heard tonight. And uh, you cannot leave unless you pass the test. No, I'm kidding you. I, you know, there's, there's some marvelous things that were brought out tonight that you need to, to ponder, and especially on the idea of prophecy. You know, when you, I, I just I look at people and I shake my head when they're talking. I don't back down when people uh, try to discount God's Word. I, 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 ask, I look at them square in the eyes and ask them, really? Have you ever considered these things that uh, were presented tonight? And boy, praise the Lord. Why don't we sing a closing song? And if you don't know the Lord, as Josh said, man, you need to come to know Him. He's a great God, and I tell you what, yes, He does reveal in our hearts. Yo, we all know, we're all sitting there, we know the Bible's true. But is there people who will challenge you on that? Yes, and as He gave that First Peter chapter 3, we need to be able to give an answer to those who ask us of the hope that lies within us. Uh, page 107. Do you know this one? The Bible stands like a rock undaunted. Y'all know that? How many know that song? Oh my. Do you know that one, Diane? Oh my. I picked out one that's a. a do you know that one, Ernie? I'll tell you what. Can, can you try it or not? Let's try it. I mean, this is a great song. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storm of time. Okay, we'll try it one more time. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. It's, you know, maybe I don't even know it. Amen to that. Well, let's just read the words, all right? How does that sound? It's, it is, a, it is a different tune. Yeah, there, there you go. Does the chorus go, the Bible stands? Though the hills may tumble, so the hills may tumble. is a different tune. Oh, well, that's why y'all don't know it. 
Well, we won't even try to learn it because if no one else knows it, you surely don't want me to teach it to you. <laughs> Let's praise the Lord tonight that we can go home. Can I encourage you to read your Bible? By the way, I, I noticed, uh, Cheryl, uh, all the Bible pathways will be out next week and everything. There are so many people in this church that are reading through the Bible every year. Isn't that wonderful that we get to do so? Father, thank you for what we've heard tonight. Lord, we sometimes we can find courage here in church because we're surrounded by our Christian brothers and sisters. But we need to take this courage out to a world that's dying. And even though the world looks like it's courageous, deep down inside there is fear and trembling because they know the reality that someday they're going to die, and they don't want to face that. And so they try to make excuses and try to do away with the solid rock. Lord, I'm glad our feet are planted on the solid rock. Lord, help us, Father, to be courageous and to be bold, and let us not kowtow down because this world is trying to march forward in the wrong direction. Father, I pray that our light will so shine this week before men. They'll see our good works and glorify you. Father, thank you that you saved our souls. Lord, I don't think any of us tonight could say enough to say thank you, thank you, thank you for saving us and rescuing us. Thank you for saving Josh. Thank you, that Lord, that you've given him a desire to discover the truths of God's Word. And Lord, just to reach into uh, to his life and do such a marvelous work that you've done. Thank you for the message and the challenge to all of us tonight. May we go out now and uh, be a light in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Shake hands with some folks before you go. And remember to keep praying this week for our camp.